Oh, welcome to episode, I don't know, 600 and something of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. Happy Saturday morning, everybody. I want to say it's November, and this is the time of year when we really start to get into the holiday mindset. We start to get much more thankful. And I don't know about you and what's going on in your world, but I've had some really close friends. They've had some health issues. I've had some family members with some health issues. And it makes me super, super appreciative that we get to spend this time away from all the real trauma, away from all the real hardships, and we get to just geek out about pinball. And I'm super thankful for each and every one of you who listens to Canada's Pinball Podcast. And I do want to give a shout out to the fact that we now have 243 people on Patreon. And we have 3,000 listeners. And my goal, my goal is by TPF to get to 300 people on the Canada Club on Patreon. I want to give a shout out to Simon, to Jason, to Johnny Cage, to Thomas B, to Andres R, to Donk, Max M, Hadley, Vince C, Joseph M, Shane's Random Universe, Scotty, Marcus S, James H, Nicholas P. You guys are the new Canada Club members. Thank you so much. And I really do appreciate it because it does take a lot of time, especially with Killing in My World. Finding time to do this show has been harder than ever, but I love doing it. And that is why I'm here right now. And thank you so much to everyone who contributes. And if you're listening deep down inside, If you've heard like 600 episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast and $5 a month is too much for you, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You shouldn't be in the pinball hobby if that's the case. Okay, so here's what we're going to do on this fun episode. I'm going to go down and talk about each manufacturer. I'm going to talk about what's going on over there. I'm also going to deliver, if I know some news and rumors on those manufacturers, I'm going to let you know what I've been hearing. And there's been a lot. And there have been some news, rumors, and speculations you haven't heard yet. And I want to read a really interesting email I got from someone who listens to the show about the Godzilla versus Led Zeppelin bomb. Because I've been saying that the bomb on both games is very close. Very, very close. And how could Keith Elwin make a game with so much in it and Steve Ritchie gave us a barren Led Zeppelin? I think you're going to see when I read this email that the parts used in each, you start to see how, well, maybe that's the case. And maybe Keith Elwin is super smart on how he allocates the budget into his game. All right, so let's just go down a list and talk about what's happening at each manufacturer. And I'm pulling up Pinside, and I'm going to go down the list by game manufacturers. And the first one is Stern Pinball, always at the top, always at the top of the pinball world. So what's happening over at Stern Pinball? So Godzillas are going out the door. I think almost all Godzilla Ellie's have gone out the door to date. And I don't know about you, but it is absolutely amazing to see how quickly Stern Pinball can make pinball machines. I think they are at a point now where they are cranking out 500 machines a week. A week! That is absolutely insanity. It means they could make all of Spooky's games in three weeks, which takes Spooky Pinball pretty much 18 months. 18 months! Stern Pinball can do it in three weeks. It almost makes you wonder, why are there so many pinball companies that are slowly building games? Why don't they just contract Stern to make their games? No, they don't do that. But you know, it's crazy how fast and efficient Stern Pinball is. It's also exciting because what Stern Pinball realizes is that there is a window of excitement and hype. When you buy a product, 
you don't want to have to wait a really long time for it, especially a pinball machine. You want to sort of unbox it, experience it, and play it when the game is the hot new game. A year from now, we all know this, a year from now, Godzilla will not be the talk of the pinball world. A year from now, you won't want to get your Godzilla. But here's the unfortunate thing. We are about to head into a year in which there's going to be even more supply shortages. And so if you place an order for Godzilla Premium today, distributors are telling customers you might not get your game until November of 2022. So are you willing to wait that long to get your next game? We're going to talk about this because I think waiting for games and the supply shortage and the delays in getting your game is going to be the reason why, the main reason why, we are going to see more inflation in the pinball hobby next year. People are going to want to spend more money to get the game today. If you have a pinball machine, new in box, like if you have a Godzilla premium new in box right now, you're going to be able to sell it to somebody else for more than you paid. Same is true with all the LEs and even the pros. A game new in box in 2022 is going to be worth about 20 to 30% more than you paid for it because there's going to be such a backlog on manufacturing across the board, people, not just Stern, across the board. So Godzilla LEs are shipping, premiums are shipping, pros are shipping, and I will say unanimously, I go into the Godzilla threads and I am seeing nothing, I mean nothing, but high praise for this game. It's also the reason why Godzilla is now rated the number one pinball machine of all time. It has beat out Medieval Madness. Now, nobody really takes the pin side rankings very seriously because it's all new owners. It's all new owners, right, in that honeymoon phase where they're giving the game nines and tens across the board. But it is too soon to say that this is the best pinball machine of all time. Is it, is it really better than Lord of the Rings? Is it really better than Tron? Is it really better than Medieval Madness? Is it really better than Indiana Jones? Is it, or is it too soon to say? Now, look, all these modern games, all these modern games, they have better artwork, they have better animations, they have better music, they have better callouts for the most part. I mean, Stern really is firing on all cylinders in this game. Is this game on a mechanical level more impressive than Bally Williams games from back in the day? The answer is still no, but I would argue that this game probably shoots better and has more interesting shots and more interesting geometry. So you add that up with better artwork, you add it up with amazing modern LCDs and sound systems and all this stuff, and I highly recommend anyone out there to put a pin woofer system into this game. When you put the pinwoofer system into any modern game, whether it's Guns N' Roses or Godzilla, the sound in your game will wake up in a way in which you can't imagine. There is so much in these games sound-wise that usually doesn't come at the player with the stock setup of the speakers. And so when you add the pinwoofer system, these games really pop. And I've heard from everyone who's installed it, it's amazing. And so I'm not even getting paid by them. Look, Canada's doing like promotions for companies that are not even giving him a dime. So Godzilla's are shipping. What's next from Stern? 1000% it is John Borg's Rush. Now here's the thing with Rush. Rush is a game that is very polarizing. I think half of you don't want it. Another third of you don't even care. And there's like one third of you that is excited about Rush. Now, 
For Rush to be successful, they only probably have to sell. I'm going to say Rush LEs are going to be 500. There is no way they are going to make a thousand Rush LEs. I would be shocked. I would be so shocked if they make a thousand Rush LEs. There is crossover between pinball fans and Rush fans. A thousand of them at 10.5, I don't think so. It's going to be interesting, right? Will Rush be priced at $10,500? I do think it will be. Because Stern in the past, once they raise their prices, that's it. That's the new basement pricing for all their games. They've never, ever raised their prices on game A, and then the next game came out. And even if the theme wasn't as good, they will not lower the price. You paid the same amount of money for a Black Knight LE as you did for a Mandalorian LE. And Black Knight wasn't an expensive license. So I fully expect Rush to be a $10,500 LE. I don't think they're going to make 1000 I think they're going to go back to making 500 It does create an interesting debate, if you will, is how does Stern manage the amount of LEs moving forward does it make sense to keep changing the number and sliding that LE scale depending on the popularity of the theme? Now, I want to say that I said on a Facebook Live that I thought that Keith Elwin's next game, this is a rumor, was going to be Back to the Future. And since I said that, I've been getting more sort of information from people saying that it's not Back to the Future, that Back to the Future is not being made by Stern Pinball. And this title, Back to the Future, would we all love Keith Elwin to make Back to the Future? Absolutely. Back to the Future is like the modern day version of like Tron Vault Edition. You just hear about it every single month and then nothing happens. And I do think that Back to the Future would be an incredible title. I think it's something that everyone would want. I think it's the perfect theme for pinball. But I also think that it might not happen. And so if it does happen, the good news is it's a year from now. And if it's going to happen, you know we're going to get more solid and legitimate rumors about it. And people are going to start to see it over at Stern. And that's how leaks happen. People will see the game at Stern. There has to be vendors working on parts outside of Stern. And this hobby loves to talk. And so I don't know. I really don't know definitively. I'm going to say it on my main show. I do not know if Back to the Future is actually coming out. I'm also going to tell you Stern's next game after Rush. And people are starting to get really close on guessing it. Now, the next game after Rush, I'm going to tell you exactly what the theme is on January 1st. It is going to be Brian Eddy's next game. I will just say this because people are already starting to guess this, and I just want to confirm it on Canada's Pinball Podcast. The next game after Rush is going to be another Marvel game. And I've been alluding to this, like what's the one thing you really don't want more of? It's another Marvel game. It's not a Disney game, it's a Marvel game. And it's going to be a Marvel comic book style game. Now there's a lot of characters in the Marvel universe. And so good luck guessing which one it is. But I will tell you exactly which Marvel comic book game it is on January 1st unless Jody Dankberg comes at me first with a bribe, okay? You're going to hear it on Canada's Pinball Podcast. And I'll say that it's probably going to be Brian Eddy, and I think it's going to be Randy Martinez on artwork. I think that's how it's going to go. But I do think because it's comic book style artwork, I think Zombie Yeti would be the best one to use for this game, but we'll see what happens. Now, after that, 
Stern Pinball is going to come out with James Bond. And James Bond is going to be a Kamikau game. And so James Bond is going to be super cool. I'm hoping Christopher Franchi does the artwork on James Bond. But that is going to be what Stern does. So the order is going to be Rush. Then a Brian Eddy Marvel comic book game. Then we're going to see James Bond. Then we're going to see Keith Owens next. And when you think about Stern's lineup, it starts to get into this interesting pattern that Elwin is the king. And so if you think about where you're going to spend your money and what you're going to buy, it's almost like everyone now is just waiting for Elwin's next game. His games have more prominence. His games are the ones that are the most exciting to see come out. And if you're John Borg or Brian Eddy or George Gomez, you're chasing after what Elwin has right now. And Stern Pinball is not stupid. They're a family and they're a team. They don't compete like we might think they do. They don't. Like, everyone wins when these games do well. Everyone wins at Stern when these games are on the line consistently. And they have such a backlog of games that there is absolutely nothing Stern can do to fail. They, they have so many orders they need to make. There is no way they can fail. Rush can't be a failure. There's no way it can be a failure. Even if they just make 2,000 Rush games, that's still successful because the line is always moving. Stern Pinball only looks at the line. If Rush is not a huge success, guess what? They'll just make more Godzillas. They'll just make more Mandalorians. They'll make more Elviras. Speaking of Elvira, where's the 40th Elviras? Are they unboxing? I don't know. You know, if you fell into the Elvira 40th hype, you see how fast it's already gone? It's like they showed it before Expo. There was all this hoopla about it. Now nobody really cares. This is pinball. Nobody really cares. Elvira is still a great game, but there's nothing about this that makes the game any better. And there is going to come a point, and I mean this, in which the FOMO and all the running to these rare versions of the game, I do think we're all starting to feel like some fatigue and some expiration date on this kind of pinball. And that most people are saying, yeah, I want to buy a game with all the cool stuff in it. I don't want to keep chasing after the latest limited version. Because if we keep doing that, and we all know this, if we keep buying the 40th of this and the yellow brick road of that, and then if they do another Guns N' Roses edition, and then if they do a Green with Envy Godzilla edition, if they keep doing this, all it's going to do is make nothing really special. And we're seeing it. We're absolutely seeing it. Okay, so that's what's going on over at Stern Pinball. Let's go to Jersey Jack Pinball. So what is the news over at JJP? So JJP is a company that is still, still making Guns N' Roses. They will be making Guns N' Roses until the day we die. I mean, this is their most popular game. This is their coolest game. This is one of the coolest pinball machines of all time. There is no arguing that. I still think GNR is JJP's best pin. I absolutely do. Without a doubt, playfield issues aside, it's one of the best pins they've ever made. It is the best music pin of all time, without a doubt. I don't care what anyone says. I know that Iron Maiden, Metallica, and ACDC are great games, but I would argue that this is the greatest music pin ever because this machine creatively puts a concert in a box like no other game. And when you play this game, it's super cool. When you watch someone play this game, it's as cool, which is amazing. I don't think I've ever seen a game that's as exciting to play as it is to watch. And that's just a testament to Eric putting that concert in a box. Okay, so what's next from them? So Toy Story is next. The question is when? When will we see Toy Story? Now I'm hearing is that we won't see Toy Story till late spring, early summer. 
So you're looking around May, June to see this game. I don't think they're going to show it by TPF. I really don't. And I think the big issue is going to be supply shortages and part shortages. I think the game is most likely done, but I don't think we're going to see it until later in the spring. And then when is Eric's next game? Now, I'm hearing Eric's next game is pretty much complete. I know what it is. I'm going to get confirmation on it, but I have a very good source that comes from within the halls of Jersey Jack Pinball. I'll tell you this. It's not The Matrix. It's not Harry Potter. It is based on a movie. It is based on a movie that has more than one installment. That's as much as I'm going to tell you right now. And the reason why we are so far away from this game. Like, it is not coming out anytime soon. Now, I could throw it out there and we could know what it is. Like, we knew what Guns N' Roses was for years. We knew what Toy Story was for years. We knew these games. You know, because Jersey Jack Pinball only works on one game at a time, a lot of people are working on it. And so it's a lot easier to find out what it is. Now, the question is, Steve Ritchie and their new designer over there, there's just a lot, right? There's a lot of designers at JJP and not a lot of manufacturing efficiency. But I'm hearing that the second line is up over at Jersey Jack Pinball, and that's a good thing. They need two lines going with two separate games at all times. They just need it now. You know, Jersey Jack has a portfolio of games that people still want. People will still buy new in-box versions of all of their previous games. And here's the sad part. From a, from a financial standpoint, they can't take any of that money. They are so under-realizing their revenue by not being able to make The Hobbit or Wizard of Oz or Dialed In or Willy Wonka's and most importantly, Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, what are they doing, right? There are millions of dollars waiting to flow through the door at JJP. All they need to do is make the games. And these rich guys, and you know who you are, you want a new in-box game. You don't want someone's used game, and you definitely don't want to pay $25,000 for a used Pirates. Now, if you heard on my episode 500, which you didn't, the reason why Jersey Jack Pinball went from wide bodies to standard bodies was Pat Lawler. I'm hearing Pat Lawler is retiring after Toy Story. So I think once Pat Lawler retires and this factory becomes run by Steve Ritchie and probably Eric Minier, I think we're going to see, and I hope we see, wide body games return to Jersey Jack Pinball. Because I also hope we see Jersey Jack make new wide body games because it's fun to see a guy like Eric Minier load up a wide body game. It really is. Like for the people who love pirates, they will tell you it doesn't play like a wide body, but imagine that game as a standard body. It really wouldn't work as well. And so when they go back to making wide body games, they would be absolutely foolish not to do a new run of Pirates of the Caribbean. And one of the reasons why I want them to rerun Pirates, I really want them to rerun Pirates so that all of these fools who think the games are worth twenty-five dollars or $30,000 or $40,000, I want the game to come back to reality so people can enjoy it. I also think it would start to blow up some of the ridiculous inflated prices because if you make more Pirates, like that's the game at the top of the inflated pinball used marketplace. It is. It's at the top of that pyramid. Like once Pirates of the Caribbean CE started selling for $38,000, it raised everything up. So if you make more of those, then all of a sudden the collectors start to realize, 
well, maybe it's not worth like spending this much money on these games because they might always rerun stuff. And you know and I know they will always rerun stuff. Even long after Jersey Jack Pinball is gone, someone will come out and remake Pirates of the Caribbean. That's just the way it's going to go because if there's money to be made, somebody will make it. All right, let's go on to Spooky Pinball next on my list. So Spooky Pinball, they are working hard on getting Halloween and Ultramans out the door. I have absolutely no rumors about what's next from Spooky Pinball. They are making around 20 to 22 games a week. Now, Luke has been on Pinside and said they had some supply shortages and they had a few softer weeks where they didn't get to that number, but they are still on target to make all of these games in 18 months. The only issue is this. The only issue is this. They needed to make 22 games a week to hit that 18-month target. So they are hiring more people. And finally, Spooky has admitted they are hiring more people in the programming department. That is good news. That is good news. Should they have done it a year ago? Absolutely. They knew they wanted to make 1,750 games. They knew they needed more staff. And so Spooky is a company that needs to grow. But for them to grow, they have to ensure that they are making all of their customers happy. Like these games have to be good and they have to really nail it with the final polish of the code on both of these games. They know that. Because if it's an underwhelming experience, when you look at the quality of games from Jersey Jack and Stern Pinball and CGC and you look at the competition and all of these games are starting to be around the same price, like eight to $10,000, you can get anything in the pinball world for Spooky Pinball to remain competitive. They have to deliver on the final product. And it's too early to say like where these games are gonna net out. And people keep asking me, are you keeping your Ultraman? Are you gonna stay in on Ultraman number 500? And the answer for me is yes, I'm still in on Ultraman 500. Because why would I get out now? I have a $2,000 deposit down, okay? By the time I owe the remainder of my deposit, it'll be a year from now. And so I'll get to see how far along the game comes in a year. By the time I have to pay, the game will be complete. There won't be like new code updates coming. It will be done. And so I'll be able to look at Ultraman in the final version and say, do I want this? And if I don't want it, do I think I'm going to lose money? People have been saying, Canada, you got to get out now. You're going to lose money. I think like worst case scenario, what? I, I lose 500 bucks? Fine. I mean, so so be it. That's not the end of the world. It's better than spending $10,000 and I realize I don't want it. So I'm willing to take that gamble. Now, it is a gamble. It is a gamble because I will say right now, and, and I just mean this. I will say right now, the feedback on the games themselves has been somewhat middle of the road. I think some people love them. Those are the people that bought them and need to convince themselves they love them. Some people can't stand them. Some people are in a wait and see period. I'm in the middle. I'm in a wait and see period. I don't think these games are blowing anyone away. I don't think these games are worth $10,000 by any means. But don't forget this. And I keep reminding people of this. If you strip off all of the Ellie and the FOMO and the vanity stuff from these games, remember this. These games are $64,995. They are $6,500 games. The only reason people are spending seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars on these games is because you're loading them up with all of the vanity stuff. 
but none of that money is going into actual gameplay stuff. It's you and me that have said, Spooky, we want limited stuff. We want Bloodsucker editions. We want collector's editions. They simply followed the model that Stern did, and that is where they're making their high profit margins, but that profit is not going into the games. You're paying all that extra money for nothing that's going into the game other than vanity stuff tacked onto the game. So don't forget that. It's not Spooky's fault. They're not, they don't think their games are worth $10,000. You do. They don't think their games are worth $9,000. You do because you just bought them with all that stuff on it. So I think we need to stop blaming Spooky for not making a $9,000 worthy game. It's not their fault. They believe the game is $6,500 or is it $69? Is it $7,000? But whatever. I, you know, it's still not 10. All the other stuff is just stuff we're adding on. All right, I'm going to give you a real quick rumor. So people have been wondering why David Van Ness is no longer working with Spooky Pinball, and he's not working on Spooky Pinball's new games. Now, David Van Ness did the animations for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. David Van Ness, as an animator, is much better than the animations happening in Halloween. Everybody knows it. All you Halloween apologists, stop thinking that those animations are great. But why isn't David Van Ness there? So I found out why, because here's what's happened with Spooky is if you want to make a game, if you've worked with Spooky throughout the years and you want to make a game, the problem is they don't make games quickly. They don't get three to four games out a year. They usually get one game out every 18 months. So if you're a designer and you bring them a game and you say, hey, I want to make this game, there's no place in the roster or the schedule for you. And especially if now Bug and Luke are going to start making these games and be the designers and Charlie's handing the company over to his son, he's going to probably design most of the games because he's already designed these two games and now he's on to the next design. So they're not going to hire outside designers, nor do they have space to make Ben Hex's game or make David Van Ness's game. Now, the game that David Van Ness brought them and wanted to make, and they said no, is no other than the 80s movie Labyrinth with Jennifer Conley and David Bowie. And so would this have been a good pinball machine? A Jim Henson movie, Labyrinth, in which Jennifer Connelly is trying to go rescue the baby and get through the labyrinth, and you see David Bowie's crotch shot like every five minutes in the film. So I don't blame them. I don't blame Spooky Pinball for telling David Van Ness that this is not going to be what we make. And Labyrinth is not a good theme for pinball. It's not. It's not what 40 to 60-year-old men want to buy. I don't think it would have been a good decision to greenlight Labyrinth. Now, it was probably easy to get the license to it. It was probably easy to get Jennifer Conley to do some stuff with the game. It was probably easy to sort of get the soundtrack for it because, again, it's not the biggest movie. And no one's really knocking on the door of the license holder of Labyrinth very often being like, yo, like, let's make some merchandise based on a movie that is still very niche. There are way better themes in pinball than Labyrinth that are still out there that nobody has made games based on. So that is why David Van Ness is no longer there. So let's go over to Multimorphic. So there's no news from Multimorphic P3 other than there is new cabinet artwork that you can put on your P3 machine. Jerry shared it at Pinside. It just sort of looks like this machine, like this powerful vortex laser cannon internal workings, which is known in the pinball world as the P3. Jerry, where's the license theme we're all waiting for? I think Scott Denisi's working on it. Scott Denisi, license theme, P3. That's going to be the moment. That's going to be the moment. I don't think putting different cabinet artwork does anything. It's, it's strange, right? Now the artwork is not even based on a game you're playing. It's based on what? Just like hyping the power of the platform? 
So it is what it is. I, I think it's a little bit like, all right, means nothing. We need a new game. We need a licensed game from P3 to really get people excited. All right, let's go on to Chicago Gaming Company. So all that drama around the topper and the LE versus the SE+. Plus. I think everyone realizes now how stupid all of that was. Do I think they burned people? No. Do I think they should have been better communicating this from the beginning? Yes. To me, the only question left now is when are we going to get these games? You know, when are we going to get these games? Because these games are not on the line yet. And so I think you might be waiting three to six months to get your Cactus Canyons. And that's a long wait, like half a year from now. All this drama, all this waiting. It will be worth it. It will be built well. But honestly, I got to be honest, I'm really only excited to see the Lyman Sheets version of this game. And so until that happens, you're going to get this game. You'll enjoy it. But it's not as good as Medieval Madness. It's not as good as Attack from Mars. It's not as good as Monster Bash. And the only thing that can make Cactus Cannon, I think, worthy of all this hype and attention is what Lyman Sheets and Josh Sharp do to this game because it needs more. This game was always like an easy shooter. It kind of left you wanting more. And Lyman Sheets is the guy, right, to give a game more depth and more longevity. So we'll see what he does with the game. But when is that going to be? And how much is that going to cost? Don't forget that. So how much is it going to cost? Like it could be a thousand. It could be two thousand bucks. We'll see. All right, let's go on to Dutch Pinball. No news in the world of Big Lebowski. So if you're waiting on a game, I hope you get it soon, but nothing new there. American Pinball. American Pinball. Let's start out with a rumor right now. I heard American Pinball might have the license. This is a rumor to He-Man Masters of the Universe. Now I'm excited. Forget Labyrinth. I want He-Man. I want Castle Grayskull. I have the power. I think if American Pinball has He-Man, Masters of the Universe, they should make it. Dennis Nordman, this is what we want. We don't want original themes. We don't. The real test is going to be this about original themes. Two months from now, are we going to see distributors still with Legends of Valhalla's for sale or are they all spoken for? We shall see. It's too early to tell. Now, someone did point out with Legends of Valhalla, a change they need to make. If you look at the game, and you look at the apron of the game, you cannot read that gold font on that black apron. It's like you can't read it. So are they going to make that change for the final production? I don't think so because the game's in production. I just saw that, what, Helicon Brewery just got their Legends of Ahala. But is this game going to customers yet? Have we seen any customers get this game? And I think it's on the line. I'm not sure how many they're making a week. But if you're AP, they know this. You want to get those 500 Deluxe Editions out the door as fast as you can because the other part is this. These games were not non-refundable. So if you ordered a Legends of Valhalla and you've had a change of heart or you can get something else, you can get a refund and go get something else. So I think they're going to want to get these games out the door as soon as possible. I also think 500 is too many. I mean this. I think distributors were just hungry to get anything. I think distributors wanted new in box games. I don't think there's true demand for 500 at, what, 8400 bucks for the game. I don't. I don't. But the market will tell me if I'm right or wrong. Because I'm not sure, right? It's so hard to tell the difference between a sell-through and a sell-out. They have not sold out. They've sold through. There is a huge difference there. Every single Sternelli sells through doesn't mean it sells out on day one. 
All right, let's go next real quick because I know Killian's got to get to his nap soon. So after American Pinball, who am I missing? I don't think anyone. Let me read this email I was talking about, about the bomb on Godzilla versus Led Zeppelin. I want to thank James Garassi for this email. This is interesting, right? He said, Chris, when you mentioned that the bomb on these two games was the same, I couldn't believe it. I thought that the cost of the license must be included in the bomb. Then I went and took a look at the games side by side for about a half hour. Amazingly, I concluded that your statement of the bomb being the same is probably correct. I did an analysis of what is in the game, not including art, and here it is below. Sculpts, two each. The Godzilla is a cheap vacuum form, and the Mecha Godzilla is nice, but it's only half of the Kaiju. Zeppelin has a Zeppelin and Icarus on a stick. Cost equal. Pop bumpers. Zeppelin has three pop bumpers, and Godzilla has one. Zeppelin obviously costs a lot more. Main mech. The building mech on Godzilla is deceptively cheaper than it looks. It has a lot of metal plates and screws and stuff, but it is not sculpted in any way. This is probably a lot cheaper than it looks to build. Of course, it has some circuit boards as well. The magic spinner on Zeppelin probably costs almost as much to make. Slight cost edge to Godzilla. Main features. This is where things are a bit deceptive. Godzilla has the collapsing bridge and spinning targets. Zeppelin has two banks of drop targets. George Gomez stated that Fathom would be very expensive to remake due to all the drop targets and these are expensive mechs. The reality is that even though it doesn't appear so, the cost of these two Godzilla mechs and the cost of the two drop target banks are probably close to the same. Of course, I'm just speculating, but I could be wrong. The cost here is equal. Additional main features. Zeppelin has the expression lighting system and Godzilla has the Newton ball mech with magnet. I'm not sure which is more expensive. Stand up targets. Godzilla has four full and three mini targets. Zeppelin has six full and one mini target for Icarus on a stick. Seven each, but Zeppelin has more full size ones. Cost slightly more for Zeppelin. Flippers. Each game has three flippers. Cost is equal. Lights. Zeppelin has 68 RGB lights and Godzilla has only 13. Zeppelin more expensive by quite a bit. Spinners. Zeppelin has two and Godzilla has three. Godzilla cost is higher. General features. Each game has six pinballs, stereo with three channel amplifier, and 10 band graphic equalizer. Cost equal. Ramps. Godzilla has two, though extensive, and Zeppelin has four. Cost is probably about the same since the wire forms are roughly the same total length. Cost equal. Kickout scoops. Zeppelin has two and Godzilla has one. Cost is greater on Zeppelin. Playfield inserts. Zeppelin has more playfield inserts by about 10 or so. On average, the inserts are larger than the ones on Godzilla. Zeppelin slightly higher cost. Other stuff. Zeppelin also has an extra electric gate. Zeppelin has song selection, though I don't think this contributes to bomb. Godzilla has four plastic signs with three lights each. There are three other vacuum form buildings. Extra cost stuff is higher on Godzilla. The ultimate conclusion that he makes. I conclude from the above that the bomb probably is about the same. 
There are some unknowns. I don't really know how much the mech cost is in comparison to each other, so I can only take an educated guess on them. Just goes to show you that Steve Ritchie probably mailed it in and just want it out. Ritchie was spoiled by Bally Williams' days with high bombs, whereas Elwin had to learn from the get-go how to do things cheaply. It would be interesting to see what Elwin could do with a Wizard of Oz budget. If you have any more insights on cost, please let me know, James. Well, James, thank you so much. And I've heard from people at Stern that the bomb was right next to each other. And so, as we all know, Steve Ritchie is now at JJP. So what will he do in a land with more budget? Will he blow us away? The pressure is on Steve to retain his throne. The king in pinball is now Keith Elwin. Everyone, this has been episode 620-something. Thank you so much for all who contribute to the show. Thank you for just listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast. And let's all be thankful. It's November. Nothing new is really happening in pinball before December and rush. So you might not get as many weekly shows, but trust me, I will be back with more cadence when there is more news. And I'm still going to do my Saturday morning spectaculars. And I just feel better about being in pinball now. So I'm just more content. I'm not really hunting for drama. I just want to report stuff as it happens, but I'm not going to try to create news out of nowhere. So everybody have a great Saturday morning and I will be back with more episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Have a good day. Hey!